I'm happy to introduce Dada Maheshwarananda, who is a yogic monk and activist who is currently the director of the Proud Institute in Caracas, Venezuela, but originally from this country. Okay. So uh, living in Venezuela now. Yes. Yes, yes. What, what made you decide to, uh, to settle in Venezuela? What was the inspiring uh, part of, of wanting to live there? There's a revolution going on there. It's very <laughs> interesting, bit, and it's it's rapidly changing. It's I bet right now, changing. certainly. Now, were you were you there? Were you in the country uh, when Chavez passed away? When he passed away, okay. very much so. So you were kind of there. You got to see the right. the initial response and sure. reaction to that. Sure. Uh, Let me say a little bit about um, the the you know Chavez for the first time in history tried to use and did use the income the country was getting from sales of petroleum. Mm-hmm. It's now sitting on what they calculate to be the largest oil deposits in the world, even larger than Saudi Arabia, for wow. example, right. um, to use that money to help the poor people. Mm-hmm. When he came to power, 60% of the population is poor and they're completely marginalized. They're voiceless. They don't have a way to express themselves. Right. Um, so he's, his goal, which is the same as our goal in economic democracy, was to provide the minimum necessities of life to everyone. Right. So, for example, free health care. One day I got sick. You know, I had, ate some bad yogurt, but it turned it turned out. But I wasn't sure. And they said, better just to be safe. Come right. in for an MRI tomorrow. Free MRI. Okay. So like that, there's free health care throughout the entire country. Doctors working in the poorest barrios now, the poorest villages, and doing house calls. Mm. So it's an impressive level of health care. Sure. He's building houses, 200,000 houses for the homeless he built last year. And the plan is um, f- um, 2 million houses over the next four years. Wow. Um, there's free university education, the public universities, which are a little bit better. You know, it's $20 a month is the average tuition mm. rate. And uh, so impressive um, changes for the poor, subsidized food too. So when Chavez died... Jeff, the most popular T-shirt um, was I am Chavez, Yo Soy Chavez. Really? Wow. Because the people say, we're not going back. We're going so, ahead. Right. We're going to keep with these changes. Wow. That's, you know, it's interesting because, uh, and, and you were born uh, here, you were born right. in Philadelphia. Right. Uh, back, and you attended college in the early 70s, uh, active in the anti-Vietnam Exactly. Uh, movement of the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, so you, you have the American perspective. Sure. And you also have a perspective of having lived in Venezuela all this time. Right. The, the hardest part about it, and when, when Chavez died, we, we talked about it on the show here, and I posted some things online about mm-hmm. it, uh, kind of pointing out uh, a lot of the things that you talked about, but you're able to, to talk about it from a firsthand experience. Right. Uh, the things that he did. The, the reason he was so loved by so many people in his country, mm-hmm. yet in our country— Mm. He is uh, he's marginalized mm-hmm. and and was turned into a real sort of cartoon character. Right. Why why do you think that is? What 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 really what is behind, in your opinion, the fact that um, that the American political system here, or at least part of mm-hmm. the political system, mm-hmm. really passionately wants us to hate him? And is it because he's he's helping the poor? There are a couple reasons, you know. So I mentioned a. One of his biggest problems, in my opinion, was his mouth, okay? Right. I believe in nonviolent, respectful communication. Sure. And he considered, you know, it quite all right to insult the opposition. 
So anybody who didn't like him, he called them squalids. It doesn't make any sense in English. It doesn't make sense in Spanish either. It's, it's an <laughs> it just, adjective. It just sounds like, like a bad a name, right? Everybody yes. can tell it's a bad name. It must be some kind of insult. You know? I, I'm going to have to write that down before you leave so I can start using that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And confuse, confuse anybody you call that way. But So the fact was, is just as he called you know, George Bush the devil, for example, right. and obviously reacted people now, now and, admittedly the best part of that was the girl who was translating yes uh, what the, did she say well i mean she was translating it and she had such a, a cheery kind of chipper disposition <laughs> so the translation that you heard playing on the media mm. was like the devil was here <laughs> and so it was like oh my goodness that's funny yeah uh, so no go ahead i'm sorry um, so yeah so that was that was one of the reasons that the uh, you know the there's a gap in Venezuela between those who love him, which is usually about 60%. Mm -hmm. He's won 16 out of the last 17 elections. Right. Uh, Jimmy Carter came down there several right. times with the Carter Commission to observe, says these are the freest and fairest elections in both South and North America. Wow. So, you know, and in our last elections, in, I'm sorry, in this country, sure. in November, 59% of the registered voters turned out to vote for that election. Mm -hmm. In Caracas, I'm sorry, in Venezuela, almost everybody's registered, mm -hmm. and it was 89% turnout for the October elections one month previously. Wow. So people are very, very conscious. They feel they live in a democratic country, according mm -hmm. to the polls. Right. And actually, many Venezuelans feel they're very happy people. <laughs> uh, sure, sure, <laughs> and absolutely. And the polls show that. Well, they were clearly pleased with, with, with his leadership. How, mm -hmm. how is the um, transition going as far as the vice president? I, there's not been a lot of attention on him. Right. Er, early press that was coming out, though, of course, was painting mm -hmm. a not-so-pretty picture of right. the, the successor. He's not Chavez. Right. Um, Chavez came back when he was flying to Cuba for the last time, for his last operation. He went there, flew back the same night, only to announce that uh, his vice president, Nicolas Maduro, was his appointed successor. Mm -hmm. Gets back on the plane, flies to Cuba, and is never heard from again. He right. had a respiratory illness, a tracheotomy. He couldn't speak. Mm -hmm. He's fighting for his life. They told us for two months a struggle, and finally he passes away. Right. So the sympathy vote is clearly tied up with Nicolas Maduro. Okay. And all the polls show he's leading by 20%. Mm -hmm. The Constitution says that when a president dies, within 30 days, a new election has to be held. Right. So in this 30 days, he's... He's completely copying mm -hmm. the rhetoric of um, uh, Hugo Chavez, mm -hmm. including insults a few times and things <laughs> right, like right. that. If, so, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. Uh, yes, 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 right. So he's he's just appealing to the regular voters who voted for Chavez in 16 out of 17 elections to also vote for him. Mm. So it's it's kind of tied up. Sure. And so he'll have five more years to, to continue what they call the Bolivarian Revolution. Mm. Okay. Any any projections as to where it goes from there? Any ideas? or? Well, as I mentioned, this idea, I am Chavez. The people mm -hmm. you know, are determined we're not going to go backwards. Okay. I'm going to say one more answer to your previous no, question, sure, sure. excuse go, me, go about ahead. why Absolutely. he's demonized or why Chavez right. was yes. demonized so much. And that is, I think, a major class shift happened. Mm -hmm. You know, for 500 years, the elites have been running the country. These are pure white people, European descendants, right? right. 
um, you know, well-educated, they always ran the show, the upper class, right. the 0.1%, right? Yes. These, so what Chavez did when he came to power is he uh, did not appoint any of the old uh, faithful to be his ministers. He mm -hmm. appointed people of color. Okay. And so that the very rich people no longer have friends as ministers or high up in the government. And so, you know, mm. the, there's, there's a word amigo, which means friend. Right. And sure. amiguismo in Spanish, amiguismo means you get things done through contacts and friends. Mm -hmm. there, that happens in the United States, too, sometimes. Right, Having right. a contact is, is a good way yes. of getting, you know, getting a uh, getting Unfortunately, unfortunately you can buy friends here. Right. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. So yes. what? Yes. Um, but they don't have any more friends in the right. government because he threw them all out. He put his own people in. Sure. So it's all people of color. He himself is part Indian, American Indian, okay. part um, Afro-Venezuelan, African, and part European blood, mix. Mm -hmm. And so this is the way the country's looking today. Mm -hmm. And so that's another reason why the, the big banks, you know, are right. scared of him. Though actually, you know, poverty went down 50%. And extreme poverty down 70% while he was in office. Wow. And at the same time, last year, there's a growth rate of 5.6%. Mm. So the economy's actually not stagnant and crashing. It's sure. actually growing. Wow. They don't usually say that when they that, talk. It's hard to find anywhere that you can say that about today yeah. in today's world. That's right. uh, it's fascinating. I'm so... I'm glad. I mean, I know this is kind of diverting from no, no. talking about your, your, your book a little bit, but I, I thought, wow, I have someone here who lives exactly. there, has that kind of insight, and exactly. can, can sort of help demystify. Let me some say of the one stuff. more point. When sure. he died, you know, mm -hmm. because he did do so much for the poor. Right. And I've spent 35 years of my life working with poor people trying to help. Mm -hmm. So I have some respect. I'd met the man, sure. he called me brother. He said, when I met him 10 years ago, he said, let's continue with spirituality, spirit, good faith, morality, and the mystical force that guides the world. Mm. I thought, I like that. Sure. I can believe in that. Yeah. He's also told about three differences between him and Fidel Castro. Excuse me if I use present tense sometimes. Oh, I, well, no, no, I, I understand. You know, it just yeah. slips out sure, sometimes, sure, sure. okay? He said that one difference is that Fidel's is a communist and he's not. He's a socialist. Fidel Cuba has a one-party system and he's got a multi-party system, free right. and fair elections. Second thing he says, Cuba has a centralized planned economy and Venezuela has a mixed economy with mm. both private enterprise, cooperatives, 66,000 cooperatives, mm. and state-owned but worker-managed enterprises. Right. So a mixed economy. And the third difference, he said, Fidel's an atheist, and I'm not, he said. Right. I believe in Jesus Christ both as a social revolutionary as well as a personal liberator. Mm. And um, and then yet we're friends, he said. Right, <laughs> Fidel. right, sure, sure. So, um, well, that's, you know, if you get down to the, to the basis of, right. of Jesus Christ and the teachings of Christ, it's right. open arms. Right. So that's right. So Absolutely. it was inspired. So I decided to go say goodbye to him. 
And I called a friend at the national radio station, and he told me that the moment the plans were announced, that the next day the body would be brought from the hospital, the military hospital we were staying, to the military base for viewing. So we went there, I and a few friends. We went at 6 o'clock in the morning, and the guard said, look, he's not coming till afternoon. But we decided, this is Venezuela, maybe we'll wait. <laughs> right. We were the first ones there after an hour were 200 people waiting. Mm. After two hours at um, uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, it's already over 1,000. Wow. By noontime, the stadium of 50,000 people is packed. Good gracious. And the streets, most of the people had come to the streets. Mm. So by the time, 11 hours after waiting, we finally saw the body pass. We mm. gave my regards and <laughs> my sure, glass goodbye. But when it went for viewing, the journalists reported the first night that the, mile, it was, that the line was a mile long. Wow. Well, that was totally obsolete because by the second day, they're pouring in from every state of the country, mm -hmm. and it's five mile long. Wow. wow. People waited literally 36 hours. We talked with them. We talked with people on the line. Right. They, came, they didn't come because they were paid, because they were forced, because they had to. They came for one second only. Each person had a second sure, right. to say goodbye a, a when glimpse, they passed. A passing glimpse. Yeah, right. and they did it because they wanted to say thank you to a man who had changed their lives and changed their country forever. Hmm. So it was an impressive showing. Sure, absolutely. And that's why it's going to continue. That's and good to know. That's we good need to know. new good leadership, know. and that's one of the things he was weak on. Right. He didn't. He didn't really empower so much the other leaders, and now we have to find them, create them. Sure, absolutely. But the people in the community level, they're going ahead. Uh, great. That is so good to hear. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back from the commercial, we will get into uh, into the book and uh, and more. So great to have you. I, I, I feel like that that's a great conversation. I'm so glad that you shared all of that with us. It gives perspective where perspective is needed. Uh, the author of After Capitalism. Uh, I'm just going to say my. Arananda. I'm just yes. going to say my good friend Dada is here <laughs> right. in the studio. Uh, and what an enlightening conversation we're having uh, about your experiences living in Venezuela. You said you've been there for 35 years or so. No, I've been oh, no. in Venezuela seven years, 11 okay, seven years, years in Brazil, oh, 14 okay. years in Southeast Asia, a few more somewhere else, but 35 total. I've been overseas. You've been traveling, right? And, and Seeing working. the world and working. Yes. Absolutely. And uh, now the book you've written is called mm -hmm. After Capitalism, uh, a, a, a very succinct and yet provocative title for right. a book. Of course, right. you know, that you, the, there are few sacred cows in this, this nation right. uh, that get people's ire up more than the term capitalism. And uh, what, what is the uh, – tell us a little bit about the book. What's, what's the driving force that, right. that made you want to write it? And um, – you know, you, uh, one of the things, and I've I've got some questions here written down. Of course, uh, you know, one of the things that you say in there is that capitalism, global capitalism, is uh, terminally ill and doomed to collapse. Right. Care to expand on that? Yes. <laughs> capitalism works for some people, but it doesn't work for everybody. Right. So, for example, one of the problems is the increasing gap between the rich and the poor. This, this is increasing astronomically, constantly. Mm -hmm. And second is that the rich in the last 40 years are no longer using their money productively to open a new factory, a new company, a new enterprise. Rather, they're using their money, 95% of it, in speculation. 
it's like going to the casino, except it's called the stock market and the futures market, et cetera. Right. So the money's not circulating. Rather, it's being hoarded more and more. And third problem, of course, that we all know is its destructive nature on the environment because of the tremendous drive for quarterly profits. Right. Corporations, and because corporations are not individuals, but there are these nameless entities now that um, it's so much easier to neglect or even destroy the environment than it is mm -hmm. to protect it for the future. And the fourth problem, actually, I point out is um, the urge to buy on credit, both for individuals. Now, the right. average, according to the federal um, Secure, what do you call it? Federal Securities Exchange, right? The, the, the FEC, yeah, right? The SEC, yeah. SEC. They say that $16,000 is the average debt, credit card debt. They call it consumer debt. Right. Not student loans, not mortgages, right. just credit cards or payday loans, right? That's very high interest debt. Yeah. $16,000 average per family in the United States. Wow. That's a terrible burden. Well, considering Very that, high interest. that you know, considering that minimum wage, forty hours a week, gets makes seventeen thousand five hundred dollars a year, right, for a person. So right. that's that's astounding. And, and wow. so, you know, my book says the first, the first priority of any economy of any society, is to guarantee the right to live to everyone. Every man, woman, and child needs to have food, clothing, housing, education, and medical care. Right. Because without that, uh, what good are the other rights? You know, <laughs> the right to live right. is first. Well, you know, and that's it. I, I've often said, and, and I really believe all the argument, all the debate, people skip past, even in our own country here, the the basic rights to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Exactly. That That's the one thing that they – then that somehow – when capitalism enters the picture, it's like, well, that really doesn't count. Right. And it's like, that's just so wrong-headed. The reason right. we form this country right. is, is basically being ignored for a profit. Now, we all know that the people who get neglected the most are the marginalized. Right. Women, mm -hmm. people of color, right. elderly. Other. So maybe Mira could talk a little bit about what happens to sure. the exploited people and how economic democracy can help them. Absolutely, and and uh, Mira, uh, the uh, you're um, an accomplished person in in and of your own right, uh, an author, activist, done lots of things. And tell us a little bit about what what is Prout, because that's uh, a good segue into what we're talking about. Prout is an acronym for Progressive Utilization Theory. It was propounded in um, 1955 by P. R. Sarkar, who is an economist and um, spiritual leader, humanitarian in India. And base, the basic tenets are that everyone should be guaranteed minimum necessities of life, that no one should go hungry, and that the main problem is not that we don't have enough food or enough resources, but that we are not distributing them in uh, a way that most people are living right. in um, a good way and are able to function and feed their families and thrive. And um, it's harder and harder to get education. It's harder and harder for families to be able to um, get their children 
to, to help their children have a better future. Right. So it seems like the, the thing that, that's very frustrating is that the people who have attained a certain degree of wealth, a certain degree of power, the, the system in which allowed them to rise to that wealth and rise to that power is something that they are now trying to restrict others from having access to. The, and, and, it, and it happens, and we're talking about marginalized groups out there. It's, it's easy for them to go, I like the fact that I'm rich and, and have all of this stuff, but I don't want people taking, taking away from that. And so you do find this sense of wanting to cut basic needs, basic services, uh, all the things, education, uh, support services, the safety nets that exist for us uh, as, as a nation. And, uh, you know, what, what kind of – what is the path to try to correct that? Or, is you know, how, how, how does Prout actually work toward trying to reverse that, that trend? Well, one of the very basic um, initiatives that Prout supports is um, going to a, a more cooperative base mm-hmm. in the economy in which – People um, are no longer are getting most of our goods and services from huge multinational corporations. That and and when our money is 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 leaving our local communities and going to line the pockets of right. um, people that are already very wealthy and these huge corporations that don't always have the interest of the people in mind. Right. Right. Well, it's interesting in the in the, uh, in the book after capitalism. You know, you you say uh, pretty much. You know, there's enough there's enough out there for everyone. You know, there is. that we have enough on the planet to enough resources that everyone can have all of those basic needs met. Yeah. But clearly, that only comes if people are willing to share. Yeah. If people are willing to to look at it even handedly. Sure. Uh, you know, certainly the rich people, they're not going to they're not going to willingly give it up. Although there are there are people out there who who are forward enough thinking who look yeah. at it and go, look, we have to we have to level the playing field. Mm-hmm. We have to mm-hmm. make sure because if it gets too top heavy, it's going to crumble. Right. Jeff, one of the interesting things, we have a minimum wage in this country. Right. And it's clearly not adequate to provide the minimum necessities for an sure. individual and their family. Right. You know? But what about a maximum wage? Yes, indeed. Right. Jeff, you know, I ask uh, students when I'm talking to classes, universities, I I say, is there a maximum wage in this country? And they always laugh and say, no, but there is. Every federal employee who starts and is something like $19,000, I have to check it again, is the starting salary for a new federal employee, any part of the government. Well, no matter how many promotions you get, if you get to the top position, president, Supreme Court judge, senator, military general, five-star general, you don't get more than 10 times what the starting salary is. Right. 10 times gap. Right. And everybody considers that fair and just. Sure. Nobody calls the military or the U.S. government, the communists, you know. (laughs) Right. And everybody's not getting the same. There is a 10 times. In Norway, it's only five times gap between the top and the bottom. The the bottom salary is much higher, first of all. Right. And everybody feels that's very fair and just. One of the Right. The richest sure. countries of Europe is Nor- right. Norway. So I, I just propose, why couldn't we have the same type of cap mm. in terms of society? Everybody right. has the right to your house, yes, and two houses, yes, but not 20,000 apartments in the center of the city that, right. you know, 
you know, when you're getting more than $10 million, and when you have more than $10 million, just the interest alone, you don't lift a finger anymore. Right, exactly. And you're making thousands of dollars every month just on the interest. That's yeah. not fair. That's not, you know. Right, right. It's it, not fair. The, the, there was a caller to the show. It's been a month or so back, and a good friend of mine called in, and, and we were talking about this kind of economic fairness. And and his his whole suggestion was, and I thought, wow, this is a radical idea. He said they should they should pick a number, you know, ever how many billion you want to call it. Say that mm-hmm. when you reach this number of this this amount of money on your wealth, the government just gives you a card, and you can have anything you want. <laughs> sure, that's like that's it. You just it's exclusive. You, whatever you want is yours. You've achieved that level of wealth. They have it now. Then, it's usually yeah. called yeah, American <laughs> Express or something like that. Don't yes, leave right. home without it. But you know the the idea being, of course, that then after that, it's like you really money means nothing to them at a certain point. Of Why not put not. that money back in the system and raise everyone else up? Exactly. If you could have everything that you ever wanted. Nice. Why not give it back? They're talking about uh, the various projects that they're involved with, and uh, found out Mira's uh, got a theater background. That's yes, right. old souls. Uh, we're <laughs> yeah, I I have an AB in theater from Indiana University, and taught theater and English on the Navajo Reservation in Arizona for most of my career. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and so now, yeah. but now your focus is kind of on uh, on this. Uh, well, this stuff. well, now that I've retired, um, I am able to give more of my time to the causes that I believe in. Sure, absolutely. And you've always been an activist. I was reading some of the stuff on your bio. You certainly have always been actively involved. Uh, Once an activist, always an activist, right? (laughs) Yes, I I started with the anti-Vietnam movement and then went into women's liberation and worked with Cesar Chavez and the great boycott movement with the farm workers. And um, when I was on the Navajo Reservation, there uh, was a program of forced le- relocation right. that the U.S. government is doing from the Navajos, and I uh, was working with the resistors to the mm. forced relocation. So good. Well, I definitely thank you for all your involvement and in, in all that stuff. And, I mean, it's it's got to be frustrating sometimes to see how – it's inspiring to see how much progress has been made. But it's got to be frustrating to see that it's still not enough. Well, and I just wanted to mention that yesterday was um, called Equal Pay Day Mm -hmm. for women. And it is um, uh, a different day every year. It is the day after the previous calendar year that women have to work to have the same salary as men do. Um, I mean, that men did in the whole previous year. So and, you're, you're aiming for January 1st to be the yes, day. To, <laughs> right? for yes, for equal pay, yes. <laughs> um, and a lot of people think that, you know, with the women's movement, we're all done. But uh, we're, we're not. Uh, there's still a lot to be oh, done. There are a lot of people of color and women tend to suffer more in, in um, these days of a worsening economy. Right, sure thing. And uh, what's the website people can find out more about Prout? And, uh... um, Dottie, you want to give your yeah. website? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Aftercapitalism.org. Okay. And also the, the Prout Research Institute in Venezuela. If okay. they want to come down, we can take visitors and volunteers. That's Priven.org, P R I V E N.org. And here in Asheville, we have uh, a Prout Research Institute in Marshall. Okay. And they've um, published some books. Principles of a Balanced Economy is the, the cur- uh, their current one. And a phone number that um, people can use if they would like to be involved is 828-989-6228. Thanks. Excellent, folks. Definitely check it out. Uh, aftercapitalism.org, they can get copies of the book. I also understand, I guess, Firestorm 
Right. Bryce Storm's carrying it as well. Has the book in town as well. Uh, let us know when you're back in town. Let us know what's going on, and we'll gladly have you guys back on the show. Thank you, Thank Jeff. You very Stay much. in touch. This has Thank been a lot you. of fun.